Today we're going to conclude our four-part series called Jonah. We understand that Jonah was an Old Testament prophet. The Bible says that he received a specific assignment from God. That assignment was to go to the city of Nineveh. He was to pronounce judgment on it for their extreme wickedness. Jonah didn't like this assignment, and the reason why that he didn't like this assignment was because Jonah knew in his heart that if he did this and the people of Nineveh repented, he knew that God would would have mercy on them and God would not destroy them. See, what you need to understand is that the Ninevites were rival enemies of Israel, and Jonah didn't want his enemies to receive mercy. So instead of going to Nineveh, Jonah takes off in the opposite direction. He boards a ship going to Tarshish. He runs from God. Good luck with that. See, you can never outrun God. The Bible says that God stirred up a storm that nearly capsized the ship. Jonah soon realizes that the storm was God's way of getting his attention, and and so he convinces the sailors on the ship to toss him into the sea. The Bible says that as Jonah begins to sink down toward the bottom of the sea, that that God provides a a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And for three days and for three nights, Jonah is in the belly of the fish. You talk about a fishy situation. In the fish's belly, Jonah repents. That's a good idea, would you say amen? The Bible says then that God directs the fish to swim to shore and to vomit Jonah out onto the beach. Once Jonah washes himself off, God calls him a second time to go to Nineveh. This time, Jonah obeys. The Bible says that he goes to Nineveh and he preaches Judgment, and just as Jonah suspected, the people repented, and just as Jonah suspected, God extended mercy to them, and their execution was stayed. God withheld judgment on Nineveh because of their repentance. Well, that gets us up to chapter 4, the final chapter of this book, and the final message for this series. I've titled chapter number four, I've titled it, Jonah's Pouting, Jonah's Pouting. In chapter four, this powerful prophet pouts. Have you ever pouted? Have you ever pouted about something that God did or something that he did not do? I want us to take a look at Jonah chapter 4. We're going to go through Jonah 4 verse by verse, and let's just see what we can find in this chapter. Well, the first thing that we discover is we, we find Jonah's complaint. Say Jonah's complaint. And Jonah's complaint, we find it in verses 1 through 5. If I could have just a touch more monitor only, please. Let's look at Jonah chapter 1. Let's read the first five Verses. The Bible said, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. So he prayed to the Lord, and he said, Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, 
For I know you are a gracious and a merciful God. You are slow to anger and you are abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Then the Lord says, Is it right for you to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city. There he made himself a shelter and sat under it in the shade till he might see what would become of the city. We're talking about Jonah's complaint. And Jonah's complaint was twofold. First of all, he complained that God's mercy was extended to his enemies. He complained that that God's mercy was being extended to his enemies. See, it's hard to watch God bless our enemies, isn't it? We want God to punish them. Get them, God, is our prayer. Here's what we need to understand, and that is God loves everybody. How many believe that this morning? God loves everybody. And Scripture says that God is not willing that any should perish. Well, as it's already been stated many times, today is the beginning of Global Impact Week. Our heart at the Grace Place is to impact the world. We're not happy with church as usual. We're we're not happy with just coming here and singing some songs and hearing a sermon. We're not interested in just having church. It is our heart to literally have an impact upon the world. I love to say it every single, every single Sunday, it is my heart, oh, that we would be able to see the fingerprints of the grace place literally all over the world. But think about that this morning. All over the world will include our enemies. Does America have any enemies? Do we as Americans, do we have any enemies? Are are there other countries, are there other people who pose a threat to our beloved freedoms? Let me ask you this this morning. Do we want God to exclude them from his mercy? Does God only love the people who uphold democracy? Does he only love the people who hold our traditional values? Can can you see why Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh? And hear me clearly this morning. I'm certainly not suggesting that we embrace the sin and the wickedness of heathen nations. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I am saying, I am saying that Jesus died for them too. What I am saying is that we should be preaching to our enemies. Oh, we should be providing the gospel to our enemies as well as our allies. Jonah's complaint was not only that God's mercy was not, or that God's mercy was extended to his enemies, but also he complained that his message would not come true. His complaint was that his message was not going to come true. He complained to God. He said to God, He said, You're sending me to a people that I hate to deliver a message that's not even going to come true. Because they're going to repent and you're going to extend mercy to them. See, Jonah's pride as a prophet has been bruised. 
What he is thinking is, he was thinking, how will people perceive me as a prophet if my prophecies don't come true? It was a blow to his ego. Yeah, it seems that Jonah was more concerned with his reputation than with Nineveh's repentance. Sounds to me like this prophet needs to repent. Well, the second thing, and you can give me an amen every once in a while. It's okay. It'll help. The second thing that we find in chapter number four of Jonah, and that is we see Jonah's comfort. Say his comfort. And we see this in verses six through eight. Let me read those. And it says, and the Lord God prepared a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might shade, might be shade for his head to, de- to deliver him from his misery. So Jonah was very grateful for the plant. But as morning dawned the next day, God prepared a worm, and it it so damaged the plant that it withered. And it happened when the sun arose that God prepared a vehement east wind, and the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself and said, It is better for me to die than to live. Let me suggest two things right here. First of all, first of all, Jonah was more interested in his own comforts than he was in the Ninevites' condition. Jonah doesn't seem to have any compassion. But I ask you and I ask myself this morning, how about us? How about us? Do we possess any compassion? Are we, are we more interested in our own comforts than we are in the condition of a lost world? Do we have any compassion? See, that's what Global Impact Week is all about, compassion. See, here's what most people don't understand, and if you've not been there, you do not understand. You might have seen pictures, you might have seen videos, you might have heard stories, but what most people don't understand is that the poorest American is wealthy compared to most of the world. And I understand that most Americans are struggling. Most Americans are struggling. Now, it's relative. It's relative, but most Americans are struggling. But, but what Americans don't realize is, and that is that our struggles don't even compare to the struggles of third world people. Most Americans today are struggling to pay their rent or mortgage on a modern house or apartment. They're struggling to pay their car payment. They're struggling to, 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 to buy tires for their second or third car. They struggle, and they are struggling, and yet, and yet even though they are struggling, yet they somehow, somehow they manage to buy food from a drive through They're struggling, but they still drive up and order prepared food and take it home with them. What a struggle. They struggle. They struggle and yet somehow they still manage to go to the movies 
and pay 12 bucks for a Coke and popcorn. But when the pastor passes around the offering bucket for missions, they claim they cannot afford to give to missions. Over 4 billion, with a B, over 4 billion people in our world are on their way to hell. And three quarters of them have never heard the name Jesus. And we are more interested in our own comforts than we are in their condition. Most of the world, they don't even have the basic necessities like water. They know nothing about good, clean water, let alone being able to turn the tap. And in America, we got that wonderful water, but we won't drink it. We wait till they pour it out of the tap into the bottle and then we pay a dollar for it. <laughs> Most of the world, they, they drink dirty, diseased, filthy water and it makes them sick and they never get well because they have no clean water to drink. They have no decent place of shelter. For most of them, their, their shelter is something they were able to go to the dump. When I was in Honduras, they showed me where these people lived. And down behind the back, behind them was the, what was the dump. And their houses were whatever people threw away. The people from the cities would come out and throw and discard Whatever they were going to discard, but they would take whatever it was, whether it was a little bit of tin or maybe a maybe a maybe a, a an old discarded uh, sheet of plywood or or whatever that it was, and they would take whatever that they could take out of the dump, and they would somehow put together something that they could get some shade from, and would would help them get out from under the rain. No proper sewage. Oh, 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 that not only do they not have three squares meals a day, most of them, most of them don't even get even one single nourishing meal a day. They have no car, they, they have no real job, they have no hope for, for anything better. And yet, and yet statistics tell us, actual statistics tell us today that America, Americans spend more money on dog food than they spend on saving a lost world. Statistics tells us that America spends more, more money on their morning coffee or latte. They spend more for their favorite soft drink than they give to missions. I ask you this morning, do we really believe lost people go to hell? Do we really believe it? Do we really believe Jesus is the only hope they have? And do we really believe that it's okay for us to have everything and them to have nothing? Do we really believe that we are 
going to give an account to God one day for what we did with what he gave us? Do we really believe that one day God is going to ask us, what did you do with what I gave you? Do we really believe it? I really believe it. I really believe it. I live my life according. Jonah was more interested in his own comfort than he was in the Ninevites' condition and, and his present set of circumstances was his main concern. Are we more interested in the temporal than we are in the eternal? Are we so caught up in our, in our own present set of circumstances that we are blinded to our future? And when I'm talking about our future, I'm mostly talking about eternity. Are we so focused on preparing for a few years of retirement that we are failing to prepare for what we're going to have for all of eternity? Because see, what you need to understand, the Bible teaches this, heaven is not a one-size-fits-all place. It's not all equality in heaven. You don't just get a participation trophy. Now understand this, our works have absolutely nothing to do with our salvation. No amount of works can you do in order to earn your salvation. Our works have nothing to do with our salvation, but they have everything to do with our status once we get there. See, grace gets us there. Our works, including our giving, determines our rewards. Don't go to heaven empty-handed. Notice the next thing that we see in chapter number four, and that is we see God's comparison. And we see God's comparison in verses nine through 11. Let's read those verses. Then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And he said, it is right for me to be angry even to death. Whiny bag. But the Lord said, you, you have had pity on the plant for which you have not labored nor made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city, in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left, as well as much livestock? Two things I want us to notice here. First of all, Jonah's set of values was all wrong. His set of values was all wrong. He thinks more and cares more about a plant that is giving him temporary shade than he does about 120,000 people who are about to experience the wrath of God. How about us? Do we value our possessions more than people? I challenge you this morning, take a look at your spending habits. Take a look at your spending habits. Your spending habits will reveal to you your true values. If you want to know what's important to you, if you want to know what is top priority, if you want to know what you value in life, all you have to do is take a look at your spending habits. 
Our possessions are a mirror of our passions. See, see, we make claims with our mouths, but we reveal the truth with our actions. Not only was Jonah's set of values all wrong, Jonah's vision, his vision was blurred by selfishness. Selfishness blurs our vision. I hope we never lose our vision at the grace place. I hope you never grow weary and never grow tired of the vision that did not come from my heart but came from God's. And whoever replaces me someday, please, please, Please make sure they have an outward focus because because a church that has an inward focus is out of focus. And the most secure insurance you can buy to ensure the future success of this house is missions. It's not the cool factor. It's not technology. It's not innovation. God will take care of a church that takes care of what's on his heart. Missions is the heart of his house because it's the heart of our heavenly father. Let's not allow our vision to become blurred by selfishness. Hear me this morning, hear me, hear me. The church should not be all about property or should not all be about personal preference or should not be all about procedure. It should be about people. Caring people, caring for people. It should be all about providing care for all of our people, yes, yes. But also it should be about partnering with caring ministries around the world. Jesus said in Mark 16 and 15, Jesus said, go into all the world, say all. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. He said in Matthew 28 and 19, go and make disciples of all nations. How many nations? 1 John 3, 17 and 18 says, if somebody has enough money to live well and they see someone in need and they do not help them, how can God's love be in that person? It goes on to say, don't just say you love people, show it by your actions. Let's look at our fourth and final thing that we see in chapter number four, the last of this series. I want us to notice Jonah's complacency. I think it quite interesting. I've tried to find, I've looked, and if you know of a place, don't mess up my sermon, okay? But as far as I can tell, the Bible doesn't tell us anything else about Jonah besides this episode with Nineveh. And I was thinking about that as I was preparing this message. I was thinking this was probably just a small part of his ministry. How many could track with me on that? He's a prophet. He's a man of God. He's been called of God. I'm sure that his ministry was far greater and far more uh, extensive than just Nineveh. But but, but the Bible doesn't tell us any more about any other ministry that he has. but, But I believe that we could surmise that this was probably just a small part of Jonah's ministry. 
And I began to think about that, and I began to think that perhaps, perhaps, and I'm convinced in my heart that, that at one time Jonah had been a powerful, he had been an, a dependable, he had been an, a valuable prophet. Other times he had obeyed God. Other times he had done exactly what God had done. I am convinced of that. I don't know what happened. Somewhere, something happened. Oh, somewhere along the way, it seems to me that Jonah became complacent. There was a time in his ministry when he was urgent. Oh, he had an urgency in his heart and in his spirit to please his God and to be used in ministry. I don't know if he got hurt by somebody or something. I don't know if it was disappointments along the way. I don't know if he just got familiar with God and familiar with ministry. But somewhere along the way, Jonah became complacent. Somehow the urgency evaporated. His reverential fear of God, obeying God, was gone. I've been in ministry for 46 years. I've preached thousands of sermons. I understand as age starts to creep up on me, and I'm not old, but it's creeping up. I can see that I don't feel at 60 as I did at 40. I still have energy, but I don't have the energy that I had when I was a young man. And I want to tell you that I make it a constant daily prayer. God, God, what I lack in energy today. And, and, and as years go by and continue to go by, I pray, God, God, what I lack in energy. God, would you make it up to me in anointing? Because at the end of the day, it's not my energy that will draw people to Christ. It's the anointing. It's the touch of God. It's the blessing of God upon my heart. And even though I've been preaching for 46 years, I can tell you that I've never enjoyed preaching more than I enjoy it today. First of all, I don't have to preach as much as I used to. <laughs> Boy, back in the day, the preacher preached three times a week. Wow. How'd we do it? I don't know. Some really subpar preaching. That's why we did it. Amen. Something happened. I don't know what happened to Jonah, but something happened along the way. The fire that he once had is now gone. I don't want that to happen to me. Two things happened. First of all, he lacked compassion. His heart had become hardened. The fire that had once blazed for God and for the ministry seemed to be only a flicker of spark or maybe even had just become cold ashes. Jonah, he's now just a shadow or a remnant of what once was. How is it with you today? How is it with you? Have you become complacent like Jonah? 
Your heart that once was ablaze for God and for his work. You couldn't wait till Sunday. You couldn't wait till Wednesday night. You couldn't wait for prayer meeting. You couldn't wait to get in the presence of God. Oh, your heart was ablaze for God. And your heart was ablaze for the work of God. Put me in, pastor. Give me a place. Give me a spot. I've got to work or I'm going to die. Somehow the fire in your heart has become only a little flicker or even has gone out. Are you still stirred when you think of billions of people going to hell? Or have you heard it so many times that it just goes in one ear and out the other? And unlike me, who this is your favorite time of the year, you're hoping, I can't wait till the global impact week is over and we can get back to business as usual. Are you doing anything about those four billion people? Are you giving? Are you going? Notice the result of Jonah's complacency. And this literally, literally breaks my heart. He received no commendation. Nowhere do you read of God commending Jonah. I've already stated I've been in full-time ministry now for 46 years. I, I can't even imagine standing before God someday and receiving no condu- or no commendation for my effort. My heart's cry is to one day hear him commend me. Well done. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a little bit. I make you ruler over many things. Oh, enter into the joys of your Lord. My two biggest goals, two biggest goals are to be found faithful and to be found fruitful. I pray every day, God, help me to finish strong. And God, when I stand before you at the judgment seat of Christ, help me to be deemed faithful and fruitful. Takeaway today is this. God wants the entire world to hear the message. Hello? God wants the entire world to hear the message. And many who hear the message will heed it. 